Welcome back to the Where Is Home podcast with your host Mary Yuan. Today we will continue this discussion about the meaning of home and how it shapes our identity. We will specifically focus on how to create a sense of belonging when we find ourselves in a totally unfamiliar and foreign place. In this episode, I have a wonderful chat with. Daisy Bulgarin, who is a current student studying at the New York University Shanghai campus, Bulgarin grew up in Chicago and made a transformative decision to pursue college in China. I can't wait to hear where is home for her. Let's tune in. So where is home for you? So I think this question of where is home is probably always very tricky.、Mm-hmm. So the best way I could probably answer this is: ever since I was little, I always considered home to not necessarily be a place, but it's more so about a people, right? And I guess the reason for that is because I've always specifically considered my home to be far away from home.、Yeah. Um, The reason for that is because you know my family has never been like super close,、um, and so even when I was younger, not not in a bad way, but just because you know ever since I was young, my parents who are immigrants from Mexico, they actually would work sixteen hour shifts, twelve hour shifts, and so they would actually send me to live with other people for short periods of time, and so before I turned twelve, I had lived in over thirty different. Uh, houses、um, at some point or another, and so I think、um, you know that kind of like mixes up your concept of what home really is. For most people, it's wherever your family is. But as I got older, it wasn't until I was about fourteen years old I went off to boarding school, and I realized that home was for me a lot about the people that I cared about the most and the people who I felt like I could, you know. Be myself unapologetically, and that tends to change year from year. I would say.、Uh, so right now, I would say home is Shanghai, which is where I go to university. So yeah, that is my current answer. Wow, that is a very beautiful journey. Oh my gosh, I'm just like <laughs> wow. So、uh, let's backtrack a little bit. So you mentioned about. You know how you have this evolution of your definition of home is switch from、right. family to people, and then now it seems like it's like a space where you can feel you can be yourself, right? Right. So now my question would be like, what does it mean for you to feel you can be yourself? I think it's probably so. I would probably say that this. You know, idea of being yourself probably varies from person to person. I would say, in my case, it's probably where I feel like, you know, after a really long like day, after a very difficult day, it's like the place that I feel most comfortable、mm. being. You know, some place that I can go and, you know, this is going to sound very childish, but where I can complain and people aren't going to judge me so much. So I think. The specific moment where I realized, like, oh, you know, home isn't necessarily, you know, family home, was when I was in boarding school. Actually, 
um, I was going home one day. It was very cold, very cold Chicago winter. Um, and I don't remember why, but it had been a horrible day. And as I'm walking back to my dorm, um, I remember seeing just kind of like the window of my dorm on my way, um, walking on the sidewalk. And in my head, just very randomly, this idea popped up. Oh my gosh, like I can't wait to be home. But the home that I was referring to wasn't the house with my family in it. It was the dormitory mm. um, with my roommate who I cared a lot about. Mm. And so I would say that's kind of solidified this idea that being myself means, you know, being in a place where I'm not going to be judged for feeling a certain way um, unnecessarily. Right. But uh, yeah, just kind of like the place where you can feel the most comfortable, just letting out your feelings. So, yeah. Wow. I love, I love your brutally honest uh, way of saying it because it, 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 it is true that, you know, when you could literally cry, you could literally laugh, you could complain, you could just let out all your feelings and put it off your chest so you don't feel like you need to hide from someone at all. Uh, I totally right. relate to that. So can I just say that it's more like a safe haven for you where you can anchor your heart feeling like you could be genuine? Right, exactly. Okay. Um, so you mentioned about, you know, this transition from uh, boarding school uh, to college. Uh, can I ask, what made you decide to go to literally the other side of the Pacific Ocean uh, to pursue college? I think, like, the answer is probably two parts. So one of the reasons was probably because you know, I've always, I think, been interested in things that I didn't fully understand, if that makes sense. Um, so I've always been very comfortable stepping out of my comfort zone. Um, I think that's probably one of the first things is because, you know, a lot of people don't have it in them to live across the world and go to university and live there full time, uh, which is totally fine. But in my case, I was never afraid to do that. And I think this is probably because of my traveling concept of home. Um, for a lot of people, they get homesick very easily. Uh, for myself, I don't get homesick very easily um, because I'm able to kind of re-anchor where that home is, that concept of home. And so I wasn't worried about that when I was moving out super far into China. Mm -hmm. I, and I think the second reason was also just because, um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to visit Shanghai, I had the opportunity to visit the university, and I, I just fell in love with the city, I fell in love with the country, and um, I just knew that I had to go there. So. Wow. So uh, could you tell me, you said you fell in love with the city and the country. So what about Shanghai that attracted you, just make you feel like, oh, I got to be here for the next four years? It was probably just the fact that, you know, growing up in, you know, the Midwest, uh, especially in the part where I grew up, there was a lot of closed-minded people. Uh, we didn't know any Asian people whatsoever. And I would say for the most part, especially in the city where I grew up, a lot of people were very racist. Um, and not just against Asians, but against, you know, Hispanics, against black people. There was a majority uh, white people, white population. And so um, ever since I was younger, there was this kind of like, fear that I had been taught that, oh, you know, China is this scary country that has, you know, that censors everything, there's no freedom of speech, it's communistic and all these things. And so I go to Shanghai, 
And it is this gorgeous city that is the combination between modern and tradition, right? And it has skyscrapers, but it's also, you know, retained its history by having, you know, little fish markets and you have like old people that wake up at five in the morning, like to do Tai Chi, like on the buns. And, you know, it's so, it's so alive just all the time. You know, you walk into Chicago or you walk into New York City at five in the morning. I promise you nobody is awake unless they're on their way to their job. And Shanghai is willingly and passionately awake by 5 a.m. every morning and very alive. And, you know, that was just so new to me. And just kind of like the diversity within the city itself. There were foreigners, but there were also Chinese people from every province of China bringing in their culture and their food. And um, yeah, that was, I think, some of the reasons I fell in love with the city. Wow. Um, I I really loved uh, that you mentioned about how you try to, because of the community that you grew up with, uh, was some sort of you know racist or have this fear in terms of this uh, unknown nation, right? Uh, because of that, you have a strong urge to move away. So could you tell right. us a little bit more of how, what, so, because a lot of times uh, as a little kid, uh, we don't necessarily have the autonomy yet to make certain decisions, or we, we, we sort of still at a stage of trying to form our beliefs. So how do you say that your, um, you know, experience or what made you differentiate yourself from the community you grew up with instead of to form your own uh, judgment, your own belief uh, to embrace this whole new culture? I would probably say that it's also because, you know, being myself, like being different from the rest of my classmates, I knew that they were already wrong, right? Because they were also racist against me. They were racist against my family. Um, and so they would say things about Mexican people that weren't true. And I knew they weren't true. Um, and so I think, you know, even from a young age, even though like this concept did influence me, it influenced the way I thought, I also knew that everything they said wasn't necessarily true because they were also attacking me, but I knew these you know, the things they said weren't necessarily true. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's always kind of encouraged me to try to find the answer on my own, mm -hmm. which is, I think, probably the most valuable skill that I've ever had is I don't take, you know, your word for it. Like, I'm going to go figure it out myself. And I will let you know if you are right or wrong. <laughs> so, that's, yeah. That's very commendable. And, and as you said, what better way to do it than just go, right? Just go and see for yourself. Because um, right. I think you actually bring out a very important point uh, that's actually very timely uh, right now specifically okay. is that I think a lot of time, as you said, those fear or those uh, racist or even just this uh, very negative sentiments against a certain group of people, would you say that is based on ignorance? Right. So I Absolutely. Think, yeah. So basically that uh, from... Uh, as I gather from what you're sharing with me, I think even it's because of ignorance. So you are the person who want to disrupt that ignorance and actively, proactively uh, trying to seek your own truth by immersing yourself in that place, right? Um, I think it's definitely very relevant also because, uh, you know, currently we're in a global pandemic. Uh, as right. I know that, you know, 
in the media and in the in the political world, uh, there's just a lot of these very, I would say, just made up, uh, you know, sentiments, uh, accusations about each other in terms of the U.S.-China uh, relationship. Right. So, actually, since that you have been there and now you call Shanghai your home, uh, what would your what what would be your reaction towards, you know, these very um like baseless uh you know sentiments towards well it goes both ways though right it's right, uh, right. so like what what's your reaction like what do you want to uh as you know as a scholar who has been to the two worlds like what's your reaction to this current situation well i think the first thing is like you said a lot of people tend to base their idea level of ignorance and actually i myself you know, um, when I came home, like my family, I feel like their opinion on China has developed like with me, like, you know, as I've moved out to China and, you know, they've seen how I've like, you know, flourished and like grown as a person. They've seen like how great of a country China really at China really is. Um, and so I feel like when COVID kind of struck, I sort of knew people would have that kind of backlash, right? It's almost it's almost natural because we always feel like we need to blame somebody. Um, in this case, it was China. I think a lot of people are venting their frustration and they're doing it through a way where they don't have anything to counteract that ignorance. And I feel like, you know, being um, a scholar, you know, I think a lot of, you know, Chinese students who study in the U.S. can probably also relate. I think the most important thing that we can do to bridge the two worlds really is to build understanding. Um, there's a lot of people uh, in my hometown, even now, who still do not understand China, who still, you know, see it as the communist country, the scary country. And I think we just need to build understanding. We need to really have people understand what is actually going on and what China has, you know, become and what it is now, I think that would clear up a lot of misconceptions. So people don't have this kind of ignorance to fall back on and not use their reason and their logic when making these claims. So. Wow. It's a very powerful statement that you made. Um, I totally appreciate that you shared that with us because I totally agree that um, to reverse that ignorance is to actually learn, is to actually right be humble and to get yourself there and to actually see for yourself. And I think for both of us, right, as scholars, as international scholars, uh, we kind of sort of carry that kind of responsibility uh, to kind of open the world to the folks who don't have the luxury of seeing for themselves. So that to, that's like, exactly. I think, as you said, is the first step of understanding. Um, so let's uh, kind of uh, backtrack a little bit. Um, could you tell me what, uh, why? When did you first start learning Mandarin, and and you know why did you choose to learn Chinese? So uh, I actually did not start learning Mandarin until I went to university in China. <laughs> so you can imagine um, what my first couple months there were like. Uh, they did not go smoothly, and so I always I always joke with uh, I have a lot of friends who are Chinese nationals who study in the U.S. So they're like the reverse of me, right? Um, and I always joke with them. I'm like, you know, you guys came to the U.S. You already knew English. 
um, you know, of course, the English improved, but you already had good English when you came here. Uh, I went out to China and I was essentially a five-year-old all over again who could not order my own drinks, um, who could not read all the packages and all the labels and all of these things. So I did start when I arrived in China. And, um, well, of course, the reason I, I learned Mandarin is because um, our university required it. And so we all had to take um, Mandarin and then I fell in love with the language. So as I learned, it wasn't a chore. It wasn't a requirement for me. It was just, oh my gosh, I now know how to order milk tea in Chinese. And so I kept going. <laughs> and so now I am, yes, now I'm preparing for um, higher proficiency test levels to hopefully someday be able to work um, in a company in China. So that is my goal for the future. Wow. That's an amazing goal to have. And, you know, best of yeah. luck for your endeavors. Um, and I Thank can you. see your sense of purpose and your sense of determination will definitely take you far. Um, by the way, it's very essential to know how to order boba, <laughs> bubble tea <laughs> in, in Mandarin because boba is life there. So, uh, Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, so when you mentioned about, you know, but by the way, just so you know, I really admire your courage <laughs> to learn the language. Literally, just throw yourself there and say, "Here I am," and I'm gonna learn it. Um, very, the courage is definitely uh, very commendable. I think. Uh, so, when you were first in Shanghai, uh, was there any cultural shock that you encountered? Um, like, how did you? What's your first impression when you were there? So I would probably say culture shock was not too bad. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was mostly because I was expecting it, mm -hmm. right? Um, when you expect culture shock, like you mentally prepare for it, it still happens, but it doesn't happen like super bad, right? Um, so I wasn't like shocked that they were only giving me chopsticks or only giving me warm water in the summertime. And, you know, you know like it wasn't too bad. Um, I would say probably... Things that caught me off guard, though, yeah. was probably how, um, you know, like how surprised Chinese people were to see me mm. or to meet me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that was probably one thing that I wasn't 100% used to. And also just like, you know, the way people would treat me, mm -hmm. which um, most people would treat me very kindly. But I think a lot of people, no matter what, would sort of tend to distance themselves uh, from a foreigner just because, you know, we are from what feels like another world to them. Um, I would say younger people, not so much, but, uh, you know, the older generations, yeah, I'd probably say they kind of like keep us like at arm's length, like, oh, you know, I like you, you're welcome here, but like, you know, don't, don't stay too long. Right, so. <laughs> don't worry, because I share the same experience here. <laughs> yeah, um, it goes both ways. Yes. Uh, so I think the younger generation, because we have this intrinsic passion to learn, so we're not afraid to, you know, connect, right? That's why we're here. That's why we're, we're right. there among the people. Um, so I definitely share uh, that experience with you. Um, well, it's great to know that there was, doesn't sound like you, you had a trouble to adjust or adapt in your life there. Um, so I was curious, what was your impression about China before you went to Shanghai? And what's your impression now? Like, what changed? So I'd probably say um, 
my impression before so i would i would probably just like to point out that my this impression was before i went to uh boarding school i went to boarding school for high school specifically Mm -hmm. and i would say my impression started to change there Mm -hmm. and so before i went to boarding school my impression of china was that it was um you know people did not have freedom of speech and that the government would regulate everything that people would sort of think Um, I think the common term people throw around is like Chinese people are brainwashed by the government and all these things. And also just that it was it it was a developing country. And so I wasn't expecting, you know, very big cities, uh, very developed cities. And so I think like in my mind, China was more so like uh, the pictures of like the farmland. Right. Like the rice fields and all these things that was sort of like in my mind, I didn't really think that China had so many huge cities. Right. And uh, also that like schools were very, very strict because of like Gaokao and like mm-hmm. entrance exams. Right. Mm-hmm. So very strict schools. That was also my impression. Um, so not completely you, wrong, but that was. Right. Where did you get those impressions? Uh, just a follow up. I see it was probably from like the. Uh, Probably the things we learned in school, Mm. I'd say we never learned about modern Chinese history, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. We only learned about older Chinese history, which tended to focus on communist China, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. And so I think that because we never really followed that up with, oh, and this is what modern China is like. That's never something that's emphasized. You don't really think in that direction. Mm. Um, So I think it's a mistake of, of my education system as well. Uh, and so when I went to boarding school, actually, a lot of my classmates were Asian American. So they were Chinese American. And so I think my opinion of China was slowly starting to change because they would also teach me little things. Yeah. Um, and so by the time I went to China, it was sort of like I wasn't probably as surprised. Um, like it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, like night and then day. It was sort of like, well, I was expecting China to be better than I had originally thought back in like middle school right and so i go to china and it is like this very modern country um very very high tech actually because there's no cash everything's on your cell phone to be paid which is so nice the u.s should do that <laughs> yes um, i'm complaining about that every day U.S. <laughs> should go cashless just like china um and honestly just just a lot of like things that i feel like there are so many positive things about China. And I just love that China is able to maintain its history and the pride for its history, its very long history, while still being able to move in a direction that is modern and that is welcoming in foreigners from around the world to really get to explore and really get to know Chinese culture better. So. Well, thanks for sharing that with me. And I, uh, <laughs> I, I guess you got to thank your Chinese friends when you're in the boarding school, right? Yep. <laughs> to kind of help you the transition. <laughs> yes, I'm so glad to know that. Um, so now that I want to understand, how did you build a sense of belonging uh, or a new home in Shanghai? I'd probably say, um, so it is a little difficult to do just because, you know, as foreigners, we stand out, mm-hmm. right? So it's difficult to fit in. I would say that the easiest way that I built that was there's kind of two communities that came into play. The first community is, of course, the other foreigners, right? Which is what a lot of people, a lot of expats tend to default when they go to a country like China where, um, you know, like 
they very obviously stand out. And so you hang out with the other people who very obviously stand out. Um, maybe not necessarily your same nationality, but just not Chinese people. Um, because they can relate to you. They can, you know, understand, oh my gosh, like I messed up the tones for this and everyone laughed at me, you know. And so they can make you feel like, okay, I'm not that dumb, like I feel every day. So that was important. But the other group that was equally as important were my native Chinese friends who made me um, like really feel at home in Shanghai and who really made me feel like, okay, like I actually have a relationship to this city, right? And who would show me around like places and give me little history lessons of, oh, you know, this place used to be this, but now it's this, right? And gave me a deeper understanding for the city. And so I think those two communities, when you put them together, there really makes you feel like okay like I'm not alone in being a foreigner here but also like I belong to this city like I feel like I know it so um, yeah. that is a wonderful way to fit in or to uh build a new home because I think there are two, there are two points that excellent point that you mentioned I think the first one is your drive to seek out communities uh, right, like people who can make you feel that you're not alone, uh, so that you can feel that that's already building a family in that sense. Right? Because right. I mean, at the beginning of this conversation, you said home is about the people. So now you're using that to find your community. And uh, another another thing that I find very impressive is how you uh, connect with the native uh, Chinese students who could help you sort of. Uh, build a new sense of belonging in this very foreign place, right? And I was wondering how the, the you know, Chinese students help you uh, to make you feel at home? Because you, you mentioned about they make you feel at home, but then could you elaborate a little bit more? Give me some examples of how they made you feel at, at home. I would probably say, um, if I had to think of specific examples, mm -hmm. probably just, so like, preliminary my first year there they helped me with ordering food mm. but also teaching me about chinese food that's essential so you need to eat that was that was fat. very that was very important <laughs> because it's like you know as a foreigner you may not really understand like oh like what is this food like should i be eating this like yeah. is it going to make me sick um and so i think you know that's probably one of the most important things because it, it relates directly to your life um, and so they would teach me like, oh, you know, like this is actually this, like you eat it this way. Um, and, you know, like, oh, like if you want to be really adventurous, like let's go to this restaurant. Right. And so like you try different food um, that you may not have tried otherwise and you realize that you love it. Mm -hmm. And I think that was probably one of the most important things that happened to me. And that is how I found my love for dim sum. Oh, <laughs> so, on point. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love, I love, 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 love dim sum, but I probably wouldn't have been able to find it on my own, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I thank them forever for that. Um, and I'd say also just like showing me around places in, um, in Shanghai that have a lot of history and being able to kind of bring history alive for me. I think probably the best example is that Shanghai is split in two. Right, west of the rest of the Huanghu River and uh, east of the Huanghu River, and so they were able to tell me, okay, like we are currently here. Mm. None of this existed 20 years ago, mm -hmm. right? And it really puts it into perspective for me. Mm -hmm. 
um, and being able to just kind of teach me, oh, you know, like, and this is where my grandparents used to like sell dumplings. And like, this is like, you know, it makes things more personal, like, because I care about them. And so the stories that attach them to Shanghai sort of become your own stories that attach you to Shanghai. So like that, you know, makes it very a lot realer for you. So. I think, you know, as we conclude, you know, this wonderful conversation, I have a couple of questions left for you. I think the first one would be, because earlier you mentioned about your dream of working for a company in China. Um, I was just wondering, how do you see your experience in both cultures uh, that could be a helpful, you know, foundation for you to build that path, to build that career path? Um, yeah. I'd probably say that, um, you know, I always, I always joke with people, um, like maybe sometimes like in interviews, even like for jobs, I was like, you know, like kind of launching myself into China when I had no idea what I was doing and did not speak the language. Like if I could do that and survive, like I can do anything, um, is kind of like what I feel like. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, like if you give me if you give me a job, if you give me a task, like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'll get it done. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of like the mentality that I feel like I've gotten from this. And also just, you know, the experience of like living in both countries. I think one of the reasons that I want to work, um, maybe like not necessarily for like a China specific country, but usually like uh, an international country that's usually based in like China, maybe works with other countries, um, is kind of like, uh, what, what I'm more focused in. And I think it's because these international relations have, you know, shown their importance through my experience of, you know, living between the two countries. Um, it's kind of really taught me like firsthand how important these international relations are and how fragile they are, especially through COVID, especially through, you know, the China U S trade war. Mm -hmm. We see that these relationships are really fragile, but, you know, living in both countries, I know that, I would be devastated if there was, you know, those relationships were to ever be broken somehow. And so those relationships need to be preserved. And that's kind of one thing that I hope to do by working at an international company is to make sure that these relationships are preserved so we can have more people. We can have more Chinese nationals going to the U.S., more U.S. nationals coming to China and, you know, back and forth. Like these are the kinds of um, experiences we need to keep making for people. So I think that's why... I hope to like be able to work at an international company someday. I'm really in awe <laughs> of what <laughs> you're saying because um, it sounds to me, it seems to me that you're not only caring for your own journey of finding home, but you also care for others, right? Because I mean, it sounds like you have this very uh, impressive dream to strong strengthen that tie of you know international cooperation to make other people easier to find new home in a totally different place. So I, I, I love what you said. I just, I'm just learning <laughs> in awe when you say that. Um, and I think that with your, you know, uh, strong mindset earlier, you think that you can do anything. If you can, you know, throw yourself in a totally different place and like learn a language <laughs> yeah. from ground up, you can do anything. I think with those both mindsets and beliefs, uh, it will definitely, uh, take you to the success that you've been dreaming of. So I think the last question for today would be what advice would you give to folks who also 
are in this journey of trying to find the meaning of home? Probably be that, you know, home is wherever, you know, it's like if you were to think of the word home, it's that place that you're able to think of without having to force yourself. I think nowadays too many people feel like they have to have this answer, right? If they don't say the place where their parents live, right, they're bad kids. Or if they say, like, you know, if you're not born and raised in, like, one city, but maybe you're born and raised right outside of it, they feel like they can't say the city because then people are like, no, you're not a real, like, you're not a real Chicagoan, you're not a real, like, Beijing or, like, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so I feel like your home really is what you feel it is. And probably don't let other people decide that for you because at the end of the day, it is completely up to you. Um, and you shouldn't have to apologize for feeling that way. So that's probably my uh, advice for other people. More power to you. <laughs> uh, you are the living example of what you just said. So, um, yeah. I, and then again, Daisy, thank you so much for all your sharing today with us. And uh, I be, I'm totally believe that people will feel inspired by your story and hopefully uh, will give them more uh, idea of what home is in their journey of exploring the meaning of it. So, you know, thank you so thanks. much for having me. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Where Is Home podcast with your host Mary Yuan. If you're inspired and feel that you really learned more about what home means, please subscribe, leave a review, and share with anyone whom you think would really resonate with and benefit from the conversations about home. I'm so happy that I got to be on this journey with you to explore home and to create our happy places together. <laughs>